Good morning, friends. Today's message is titled, You Are Never Alone, God's Answer to Fear. In late March, in response to several inmate emails concerning COVID-19, their being locked up and being locked in and sharing their fear about what might happen to them, I began to wonder what I could do for my many friends at Angola and Hunt Prison in Louisiana. I mean, reading the emails, they all have burdens and concerns that keep them awake at night. What will tomorrow bring? Will my health hold up? Will someone else in our dorm test positive? Will someone else die? I mean, will we waste away in the infirmary? I mean, what about our families outside the walls? What if something happens to them? Will we ever see our families again? Well, these men were seeing the same headlines that we were seeing, and they began to fear. And many of you did as well. These headlines probably are familiar to you. Panic hits global markets. Anxiety grips companies across the world. Most daunting virus in half century. The food chain is breaking. Shoppers throw punches over toilet paper. And then when seems things seem to be slowing down and things seem to be opening up a little bit, The death of George Floyd took place in Minneapolis, and suddenly people were protesting and rioting and looting. But friends, let's be honest. The last four months or so with the corona pandemic, followed by the protests and riots, remind not only inmates, but us as well, that we are not in charge, and we're way more vulnerable than we dreamed. I mean, no one imagined a virtual global shutdown four months ago, but here we are. So in these uncertain days, I ask myself, what can I do to encourage these men and encourage other people? And the thought came to me, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote letters from prison. Why can't I write letters to prison? And so since March, I have sent a word of encouragement to the key inmate leaders in Hunt and Angola, people who generally head up fellowship, Christian fellowships of one kind or another, trying to help them focuses on the promises that God has made to them. And I started with three basic truths that ought to encourage us all, and I'm going to share those with you as we begin. Here's truth number one. Do not worry about tomorrow, because God is already there. You see, we all need to remember that God's got this. God is in control. He is a sovereign God. He knows all, sees all, is all. Here's truth number two. God's promise is to be with us no matter what happens to you. See, this is true of today. It's true of tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, and all the days after that. You cannot outlive or outrun God's mercy. We come and go, uh, but as Psalm 118 and various other passages remind us, probably even some in Romans, his mercy endures forever. And here's truth number three. God has you on his heart at this very moment. Does that surprise you that right now, as you sit where you're sitting, where you are listening to this message, God has you on his heart. He will not forget you because he cannot forget you. hope you heard that. He will not forget you because he cannot forget you. See, to all of our fears, the Lord simply says, I am with you always. Well, that brings me to our text. You see the verse Uh, It's from Hebrews 13, verse 5. He, God, has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. 
Well, God knew we would probably doubt this promise, so he wrapped it up in five different negatives. Twice he repeats two Greek words that mean no. Uh, Then he adds another word that also kind of means no. It's kind of hard to bring it out in the proper emphasis in English, but if you're going to put it in the KGV, Kolb's general version, it's as if God is saying, I will never, 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 never leave you or forsake you. Absolutely not. Now, that's what I shared with the guys in prison. But what I want to do now is in this message, I want to share with you four examples from God's word that support this premise. A little trip through the Bible, if you will. Example number one, Jacob the cheater. These are the words that the Lord spoke to Jacob when he was running away from his problems. Genesis 28:15. I am with you and will watch over you and wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. See, Jacob had been on the road for a couple of days when he gets this message from God. He's running because he stole his inheritance from his brother Esau. He deceived his father into giving him the blessing that was also meant for his brother Esau. His mother was actually involved in that deceit as well. And that all of that deceit destroyed his family, angered his brother who wanted to kill him. I mean, his family was fractured. And so he ran for his life. That night with a stone for a pillow sleeping under the starry sky, he dreams of angels ascending and descending on a ladder that stretched from earth to heaven. And until this moment, God had never spoken to Jacob directly. To Grandpa Abraham? Yeah. To his dad, Isaac? Yeah. To to Jacob? No. Now, I'm sure that the last thing that Jacob expected to hear that night was the voice of the Lord. I mean, why would God speak to him after all he had done to his father and his brother? I mean, God meets him now at his point of desperation as he's leaving the promised land, running from his brother, running for his life, disgraced and guilty. Now God speaks to him. Well, C.S. Lewis, the Christian author, called God's megaphone, called God, called pain, God's megaphone to rouse the sleeping world. He said, the Lord whispers in our pleasure, but he shouts in our pain. You see, now at last, Jacob is ready to listen to the Lord. When the painful truth finally catches up with Jacob, he has nowhere to go. I mean, why did he cheat? Well, maybe he reasoned. He thought, well, if God were here, I wouldn't have had to do all this stuff this way. But God is not here, so I've got to take care of myself. But here is God's message again. Jacob, I'm nearer to you than you think I am. I was there when you tricked Esau. I was there when you connived with Mama. I was there when you deceived your father. I am with you when you are running for your life. Everywhere you go, I will go with you. See, at this point, Jacob feels three different things that I'm sure all of us have felt at one time or another. Guilt, fear, and anxiety. He's guilty about his past. He's fearful about the future. And he's anxious in the present time. And to all of that, God says, I will be with you. It's a total solution to all of the guilt, all of the fear, all of the anxiety that you and I will ever feel. And friends, here's the lesson. We need to learn that there is no place we can go where God is not already there. Let's go on to our second example. This is Israel, the terrified. Uh, The scene now shifts to the Jews as they gather on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Moses is now an old man. He's about ready to die. And knowing the enemies and the problems that the people are 
uh, going to face as they enter Canaan. He gives this amazing promise in Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Now, when Moses said, don't be terrified or afraid of them, he was talking about all of these pagan nations that were surrounding the Jews. I mean, the list included the Hivites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Edomites, the Moabites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, and a lot of whole bunch of other ites. And then he threw in the Gergesenes and the Philistines. This is a dazzling list of bad guys. Not long ago, I finished reading a book about Winston Churchill called The Splendid and the Vile. It chronicles his first year as prime minister of England when the Nazis seemed almost unstoppable and the eventual destruction of England seemed inevitable. Hitler so far was undefeated as his army swept across Europe. In his first speech as prime minister, Churchill spoke with brutal honesty. He said, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. And the following years proved the truth of his words. You see, friends, Israel faced a math problem. If you stacked up the armies, there were way too many bad guys for them to fight. They were doomed to defeat. But the question is always, who's on your side in the battle? If God is with you, you cannot lose. It's as simple as that. Yes, there will be blood, toil, tears, and sweat. But when you fight your battles with God on your side, you cannot lose. He promises to be with you always. That's the message to the people of God. Here's example number three, Joshua, the fearful. We kind of run the clock forward a few weeks, and Moses is now dead, and Joshua leads the people of Israel. They need to cross the Jordan River and begin a long series of battles that would take seven years to complete. The question now becomes very personal. Is Joshua up to the challenge? And here's God's promise in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I'll be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you. Now, as you think about this stupendous promise, I don't want you to overlook that other phrase, as I was with Moses. You see, Joshua knew all about Moses because he had been his right-hand man for many years. Moses stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And when Pharaoh said, no, Moses said it again. And God eventually hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not show mercy. And then all these plagues came in, the plagues of boils and frogs and darkness and hail and water turned to blood. Pharaoh still would not relent until one terrible night when the death angel passed over the land, taking the firstborn son in Egypt. And only those then with the blood of the lamb on their doorposts were passed over. And only then did Pharaoh grudgingly relent. Now, when the people of Israel were trapped at the Red Sea then, Moses stretches out his staff and the waters part, and they walk across some dry land. Later, Moses goes up on the mountain to talk to the Lord face to face. He came down with the Ten Commandments written in stone by the finger of God. I mean, miracle after miracle happened while Moses was their leader. For 40 years, their shoes never wore out. For 40 years, they never ran out of food. For 40 years, they never lost a battle. Moses, what a man, what a leader. So I don't really blame Joshua for feeling a, a little bit inadequate. And Joshua chapter 1 kind of recounts that. I mean, how do you replace a legend? Have you ever had to face 
or replace a legend. Will God be with Joshua as he was with Moses? The answer is yes, because God said, I will never leave you. And that's such a wonderful promise. Now, most of us know that antiphonal chant that kind of goes like this. The pastor says, God is good. And the people, the congregation responds all the time. And then the pastor says all the time. And the congregation says, God is good. Now, that chant started in the churches of Nigeria. Uh, A number of years ago, while teaching and preaching in Nigeria, I picked up an additional bit of information. The Nigerian Christians do say that, but then they add something. After we've said, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, everybody says in unison, and I am a witness. Now, that is good, that's powerful, and that's biblical. It is the deeper meaning of the promise that God made to Joshua. It is not a promise of an easy road. It's not a promise of unlimited victory. It is not a promise of no tears. After all, Joshua is a book of battles. What God is saying, friends, is you've got to fight for the land I'm giving you. But I will go with you as you go. Our fourth example is Solomon, the timid. As David grew older, he wanted to build a temple for the Lord in Jerusalem. But the Lord said, no, you can't do that because you're a man of blood and I need a man of peace to build this. Well, David accepted God's decree, called on his son Solomon to build the Lord's temple. Now, here's David's encouragement to his son in First Chronicles chapter 28, 20. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not leave you or abandon you until all the work for the service of the Lord's house is finished. Now, that's a pretty heavy load to lay on a young man. I mean, Solomon was the wisest man on earth, but he followed the man of whom Scripture says was the man after God's own heart. Joshua followed Moses, and that was hard enough, but Moses was not his father. Now, some of you know what it know that it's hard to be the son of a famous person. I mean, David was a natural leader, a gifted poet, a mighty warrior. He unified the tribes, he inspired the nation, and without a doubt, he was the greatest king Israel ever had. How do you follow a man like that? Now, we get a little glimpse of the pressure that he faced when David asked the nation's leaders to support his son. In 1 Chronicles 29.1, it says, My son Solomon... God has chosen him alone, is young and inexperienced. Now, that Hebrew word translated inexperienced can also be tender or delicate or timid. Clearly, David wondered whether his son was up to the task. What if you followed a legend? How would you respond? A little timid? A little fearful? A little worried? Have you ever felt like you were not enough or that you couldn't do it or you felt like you were a fraud waiting to be uncovered? Well, friends, this is God's word to you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will finish the work he called you to do. Now, everything God has for us is contained in these these five simple little words. I will never leave you. Whatever you need from the Lord, he will supply it because he will never leave you. If you feel inadequate, that's okay because you will depend on even more on the Lord. Now, how do we know that's true? Because, well, there are many answers to that question. We might simply remind ourselves of what God has done in the past. 
Has he brought you through dark days and bitter tears? If God did not leave you then, why would he leave you now? Think of all the prayers in your, that you've prayed that God has answered. Were they wasted? No, because God never starts anything that he does not finish. I can remember still landing in Lagos, Nigeria, and noticing a long stretch of unfinished buildings on either side of the road leading out of the airport. Now, those brick and metal skeletons meant the government started, but they ran out of money. That never happens to God. What God starts, he finishes. He has not brought us this far to leave us now. God's honor depends on him finishing the good work he began in us. So hold on to the truth that God will never let you go. Now, let me remind you of Hebrews 13:5 again, but I want to do this through one songwriter who wrote this. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. You are never alone, never abandoned, never on your own. So, as we come to the end, you might ask, well, what can I take away from this message? I'm going to give you a few. Well, if you're like Jacob, if you've ever felt guilty, take heart. God will never leave you. If you are like Israel, where you're terrified, you're scared, take heart. God will never leave you. If you are like Joshua and you feel unqualified, take heart. God will never leave you. And if you feel like Solomon and you are timid and feel unqualified, take heart. God will never leave you. Just think about it this way, friends. He's not only with you now, he's way up the road ahead of you. He is the God who always goes before his people. And that's a mind-blowing truth. Are you worried about next week? (laughs) Forget it. I mean, he's already there. What about the doctor's appointment you got? Well, sleep well. He's already there. But what about the tough decisions you're going to be called on to make? Well, fear not. He's already there. Friends, it would be enough if God just walked through you through the ordinary events of your life. But he does a whole lot more than that. He goes ahead of you. He clears the way. He arranges the details so that when you get there, you have confidence that God has already been there before you ever got there. He's at work in the future while we still live in the present. See, our God was with us yesterday. He's with us today. He'll be with us tomorrow. That is what it means to say, I will never leave you. And many of us if not all of us, need this truth right now. I know I do. Now, before someone else brings this up, I passed over one part of Jacob's story so I could mention it now. When Jacob woke from the dream, he suddenly exclaimed, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How typical of us. We sometimes think that the Lord has forgotten us, but we are the ones who have forgotten him. I mean, where was God when we needed him? Well, he's where he's always been, but we just didn't know it. You can run away from God. You can take a plane all the way to the other side of the world. When you get off that plane, he will meet you at baggage claim. Now, relatively few people meet God on a Sunday morning. I mean, you're more likely to meet him on the bed of affliction or when you lose your job or when your kids are sick or when your friends betray you or when your marriage begins to collapse. You're more likely to meet him after an accident than during a coffee hour on a Sunday morning in church. Now, often we do not pay attention to the Lord until tragedy strikes. Then at last we look up to heaven and we say, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. In other words, I didn't realize, Lord, you've been here all the time. And that brings us back to that great promise. 
You are never alone. Now, here's how I've taught this in prison. I want you all to hold up your, your left hand right now. Starting with your thumb, repeat this phrase, touching a different finger with each word. You see the words on the screen up here. I will never leave you. 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 It's interesting. I can go down the walk in, in the prison. And a lot of times, guys, if they don't hold up the Bible we gave them in class, will sometimes hold up their hand and say, I will never leave you. Now, how powerful is that? Build your life on that truth. God has said, wherever you go, I am with you. That leads me to this simple conclusion. Christians ought to be the calmest people on earth because we know the Lord and he holds the future in his hands. He was with us yesterday, he is with us today, and he will be with us tomorrow. So as one of my friends told me one time, Doc, stop staring in the soup. Put a smile on your face because you are never alone. Let's pray. Forgive us, Lord, for doubting your presence. Thank you for being there just when we needed you most. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.